All right. I want you to look at verse 33 of Mark chapter 9. It says, And he came to Capernaum, being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? So there was an argument going on. Have your parents ever done that with your kids? Okay, kids, what are you fighting about right now? Uh, I heard an argument going on. And even these grown men were that way. They had a dispute amongst themselves. It says, but they held their peace. That's usually what your kids do, too, when they were arguing about something stupid or, you know, it was not a righteous dispute going on. Oh, it was nothing. You know, and so when Jesus asked this question, they all get real quiet because this clearly, while it was probably a passionate dispute and discussion, it was definitely a carnal one. And it says, uh, but they held their peace for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And this is a dispute that has always been around, and it will always be around, and that is that dispute of who is the greatest. Now, most of us, we know better than to bring this up. We know better than to have a conversation out loud saying, you know, who is the greatest in the church? Who, what is the greatest religion? You know, who is, I mean, we, we all think these things, okay? and, but most of us know better than to say these things out loud, but, you know, because it is, it's just, it's kind of human nature to not only, you know, find a way to make yourself the greatest, but also to get everyone else to agree with it too. And that's also important to us. But, you know, the truth is that's just carnal, okay? It's our nature, but it's not a good thing. It is a part of our carnal nature to want to be that way. We see in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, it says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers, by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? So, in the Corinthian church, they're creating divisions based on, you know, who got them saved, you know, or who they identify with. Well, you know, I like Paul's preaching better. But, you know, well, there's others. Well, you know, I, yeah, Paul's all right, but, you know, Apollos, he's a little bit different. And I think I kind of like Apollos a little bit better. You know, I think I identify more with Paulus. I mean, they're both saved. And don't we all do that today? We do that with conferences. We've done it with newspapers. Oh, you know, I'm more of a sort of the Lord guy than a Revival Fires guy or whatever. You know, we, we create all these divisions. You know, we do it based on Bible college and things. And then, you know, they, we always have to put these disclaimers out there for everybody. You know, it's like in the Baptist world, and I'm only familiar with the Baptist world, so I guess I can't really say uh, that we're, we are the worst at this, but I'll say that we are bad where we are so bad when it comes to this thing. We can't even say anything good about anybody without putting a disclaimer out there. Oh, I like this preacher, but I, uh, he's a little different than me, you know, on some stuff. I mean, everybody's like that. I mean, there's people out there, you know, they like me, but they won't dare say it without putting the disclaimer. Oh, I like Pastor Tommy, but I don't agree with his eschatology. Well, you know what? Watch this. I like you. I don't, I don't need to point those things out. Now, there's people even that we fellowship with that, you know, they'll get bent, they get bent out of shape over people I like and promote. You know, we're, we're promoting, you know, we're not promoting, but we're featuring different preachers on our, our program. I'll probably get in all kinds of trouble for some of the preachers I feature. And, you know, I just, I don't care. You know, I just, I like people. And, you know, if I just get the impression they're on my team, I'm for them. And I don't need to put disclaimers out there and make sure, hey, before y'all enjoy this clip too much, you know, I've done a background check on this guy and I don't like this and this. and I don't need to do that. But why do we do these things? Because we're always trying to 
show where we're separate from everybody and different than everybody, you know, as a way to feature ourselves. And some of it's good, but some of it's bad and some of it's carnal. You know, you hear the preachers get up, you know, we're independent, fundamental, King James, Bible-believing, premillennial, chicken-eating, you know, dog-killing, you know, all these different things they got to put about themselves, you know, to just kind of show, you know, where they're separate, you know, non-Calvinist, non-skinny jean-wearing, you know, non-trendy, you know, we've, we've, we're putting all these things out there because, of course, that means we're better than the rest of them out there. Hey, this is what we are, but we're not like these ones over there. And we all do that. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it's just a human nature thing, but it is carnal because, you know, we all want to try to attach ourselves somehow to the greatest team, you know, and the, you know, and, and it, we're, we're so carnal. I mean, some of you, you know, you might get bent out of shape if I was like, you know what? I think the Cubs are the best team. Are the Cubs still in it? I haven't been following. Are they still in it? They're out already. Shows how much I pay, care about my team and pay attention. I saw they got the playoffs, but. You know, people will get really bent out of shape by some of that, some of that stuff. And then they will literally argue with you passionately, you know, and the, and the truth is that argument should get settled every year. I mean, it shouldn't the World Series decide who's right. But you know what? Even when their team loses and the other team wins the World Series, they're still going to fight you on it. And, and it's hilarious. Some of it's in fun. I'm not saying it, but some people do take it too far. And we do that with religion as well. You know, or we try to identify ourselves with a group or with a preacher, and they can do no wrong. And, you know, we are the greatest because of that. And it's, it is, it's a very carnal thing. This is an opposite attitude of what God wants from us. Mark 10 41, it says, and when the 10 heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. This is just when James and John's mother came to Jesus. And asked that he would allow her sons, one to sit in the right hand and one on the left hand. Meaning, these guys are going to be ranking up there really high in God's kingdom. And when the disciples heard that their mother even wanted them to be, you know, high ranking like that, they got bent out of shape. You know, who, who is she to ask that? And by the way, where was my mom to, to ask that? You know, I mean, because, you know, it was a competition with these guys. There's no doubt it was a competition, but Jesus called, them to him, and he saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you shall be will be chiefest shall be servant of all. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life. A ransom for many. I do not believe that the Bible is teaching us here not to strive for greatness. I believe as individuals, I believe as a church, we should strive for greatness. We should have a desire to be great. But what Jesus is trying to teach in these stories is that what we often think is greatness is not greatness in the eyes of God. What we think shows a high rank is not what shows a high rank with God. We often think that what makes a person great is based on how many people are serving them. But according to Jesus, no, what makes a person great is how many they're serving. If they're serving other people, because the disciples had it all wrong. You know, they're thinking, if I reach the top, if I'm at the right hand of Jesus Christ, I'm going to have all these people serving me. And Jesus tried to tell them, no, hey, that's what the Gentiles do, okay? You guys are acting like the Gentiles right now. They measure their greatness based on who all is serving them, 
who they have authority over, who they can boss around. But you know, that's not how it's going to be among you. When it comes to you guys as a church, when it comes to you guys as believers, when it comes to you as followers of me, you're not going to rank your greatness based on who's serving you because I'm the greatest and I didn't come to serve or to, to be served. I came to serve. I came to lay down my life. And so if you all are going to be followers of me, if you want to somehow, you know, rank up there with me, then you need to be like me and you need to be a servant of all. That, and so the Bible's not telling us we can't strive for greatness, but the Bible is showing us what typically we would use to measure someone's greatness is not what God uses. And what man would consider great is often not what God would consider great. In fact, what man would often consider lowly, God would consider great. So he was just trying to show these disciples, hey, go for the greatness, but you know, you need to go about it the right way. Here's what you actually need to do to achieve that greatness. So back to Mark chapter 9, what is it that we need to do in order to achieve greatness? Because okay, I'll admit it, maybe my motivation today is a little bit carnal. But I think it's okay for us to go after greatness. We should strive for that, but let's do it the right way. Because if I, you know... I'm going to be the greatest, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get involved in this competition, I want to win, right? I mean, I'm competitive. I want to play to win, right? So here's what we have to do. First thing we see back in verse 33 of Mark chapter nine, uh, it says in verse uh, 35, it says, and he sat down, this is after this dispute, and he called the 12 and saith unto them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Okay. So if we really want to measure where we rank, we should not look into how many are serving us, but how many we are serving. Okay? Here's the question you need to ask today. Who am I a blessing to? Who, who, am I, who have I helped? Who have I served? Who have I, who have I done things for? Are you just doing things for yourself? Are you just looking for people to do things for you? Or are you doing something for other people? When you are doing things for other people, and you are serving others, according to God, that's what makes you great right there. You might not have anybody serving you. You might not have anybody looking to you. You might not have anybody that you can boss around. In fact, you might be the one getting bossed around a lot of times. But if you are serving other people, God looks at that and says, you know what? They're the greatest. So whatever we can do as a church, for example, if we want to be the greatest church, and don't we want to be, I mean, we, we claim to be the greatest church, right? And, you know, and if we were going to talk about, you know, who's the greatest church, you know, in Rock Falls, you know, what, what are the typical things we would probably measure it with? You know, well, you know, who's got the biggest church? You know, these are the carnal things. You know, who's got the most people? Who's got the most money? Who's got the most likes on Facebook? We, we, we can't go off a rating on Facebook, though, because we're dead. All right, there, you know. So we'll, we'll throw that one out. Uh, you, know, you know, we'll come up with all these different ways to measure things. God doesn't use any of that stuff. God's going to, when God is looking at churches, he is going to look at, hey, who is serving people? Who is being a blessing to others? Who is especially helping my children? That's what God looks at. And when God sees servants, that's what pleases God because that's exactly what he was. Some people want to grow their ministry so they can have more money, so they can have more notoriety or power. But the truth is we ought to want to grow our ministry so we're blessing more people. If we're blessing more people, if we're serving more people, if we're helping more people, then you know what? We're moving up the ranks in the kingdom of God. We're going to be seen as being greater in the kingdom of God 
But you know what that means? If we're going to serve more, it means we've got to do more work. That's, that's just more effort that we've got to make. And the truth is, we often think greatness is when I've got everybody working for me. You know, when I can just kind of kick back and relax and be served, sorry, that doesn't make you great. That's going to make you least in the kingdom of God. You've got to be doing something for somebody. You know, if we're really ministers, if we're really servants, if that's what really what we are in our heart, you know what? We will always have people to serve. You know, there, and, and that's where a lot of people, they, they act like, you know, I don't know where my ministry opportunity is. You know, people who have that attitude are usually people who want a platform. They want a position. They want notoriety. And I'm just not seeing anything available. There are always going to be people out there who need to be ministered to. There's always going to be those who are lonely that need someone to talk to them, to visit with them. There's always going to be somebody that needs some kind of help, that needs some kind of work done for them, that just needs someone paying attention to them. If you really do have a servant's heart, you will find something to do. God's blessed you with some kind of talent. God's blessed you with some kind of ability. And God gives you us these abilities so we can use them for other people. And there's always going to be somebody. And, you know, and I'm, you know, you, you got to do a self-evaluation. You know, what are my talents? What are my abilities? How am I using these things to benefit other people? And so we need to serve as many as we can. And here's another important thing. Look at verse 36. It says, and he took a child... And set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. You know, he took a child. Now remember, the disciples at one time, they rebuked people for bringing their children to Jesus. Now why is that? Because Jesus, the great one, he cannot be bothered with children. But was that Jesus' attitude? No, that's what the disciples assumed, thinking that Jesus was going to be like the other great man in the world. But Jesus was not like them. Jesus was somebody who loved those children. He said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? When it comes to others, we need to be, uh, we, we need to not discriminate in our service to other people. You know, we'd all go all out if we had an opportunity to serve some great one. If you had an opportunity to serve, you know, the president or whatever, you do, you go all out, you do the best you possibly could, but we ought to be that same way with everybody. You know, we ought to roll out the red carpet, not just for our guest speakers and the big names we get to come through here. We ought to roll the red carpet out for everybody that comes here. We get some drunk saved out there in the street and he shows up. He ought to get a very warm, friendly welcome, just like we would give anyone else. And when it comes to serving, we should not discriminate. We should, I mean, be very accepting of others. Because the key to greatness, it's not based on who accepts you. We often think, hey, greatness means I'm the most liked. You know, it means I've got all these followers. I've got all these people that approve of me. But according to God, greatness is based on how you accept other people. When God sees you accepting others, That pleases God, because you know what? God actually had to step down and stoop down quite a ways to be able to accept us. He had to go to a cross. He had to die a horrible death in order for him to even be able to accept us. And if he was willing to reach down for us, like the song says, when the Savior reached down for me, he had to reach way down for me. You know, if he was able to do that with us, we ought to be able to do that with anybody. And we ought to have a very loving, accepting attitude towards people 
And we, we shouldn't just invest in people. I hate that term about investing in people. We should just give to people. Just give. You know, that, that's going to be our attitude. We don't want, when people come to this church, except unless they're coming in here causing trouble and causing a bit, we're going to be accepting of those people. Yeah, but I get the feeling they're a bad person. I get the feeling they're going to stab us in the back. You know, oh, well, we're going to be nice to them anyway. And folks, we've had that, all right? We, we've had that. We've had people that have come through here, even very recently, that had major issues. We loved these people. We were kind to them. And, and, and we knew, all right? Some of us knew, all right, that with some of these people, they're going to stab us in the back. As soon as the wind shifts, they're going to stab us in the back. Yeah, but you know what we did? We were nice anyway. And guess what? The wind shifted. We got stabbed in the back. And you know what we're going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. Because, yeah, but we were so nice. So what? We don't invest. Okay? This, uh, this might be your mentality. This is not my mentality. I don't want to be the mentality of this church. We don't invest in people. People are a poor investment. So that's terrible. No, you don't get, you don't always get back what you put in with people. But I do believe people are the best things in the world that we can give to. But if you have an investment mindset, you're just going to be let down. You're going to be disappointed. Listen, if I was investing my money in stocks and it kept losing money, I wouldn't invest in those stocks anymore. But God didn't ask me to invest. He asked me to give. And so I'm going to give expecting nothing in return. And if we, and so when we have people come through, they have every indication that they're just, bad, we're still going to give them a chance. We're still going to give. And if we get nothing back except stabbed in the back, so be it. God can take care of that. God, and God can take care of them. And then if we just give to people that do have a lot of issues, and then you know what? They end up being good, and they end up being a blessing. Praise the Lord. But either way, we're going to do it, folks. Either way, when people come through the, 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 those doors and they become a part of our congregation, we're going to be kind to these people. We are going to be accepting of them as individuals, even if they're annoying. Some people aren't, some, you know, those, those, we've had people come through that are just annoying. That's their only problem is that they're annoying. And you know what? You love them anyway. You know, we're, we're not just looking for Mr. Slick and Mr. Cool, you know, to come to this church. We want to be accepting to everybody. And that just ought to be our default setting. And as a Christian, now listen to the, now hear me out on this. This is something we get mixed up sometimes. We should discriminate big time when it comes to doctrine, but not when it comes to individuals. Now, what, now what do I mean by that? Well, Galatians 1.8, for example, it says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Sounds like we're supposed to discriminate when it comes to doctrine a little bit, aren't we? We see in Galatians 2.4, And that because a false brethren unaware is brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ, Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. These guys that came in trying to bring in false doctrine, they didn't give them any, any subjection. They didn't, I mean, they didn't even give them a chance. Okay? It says in John 1.10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive them not in your house, neither bid them Godspeed, for he that biddeth them Godspeed is partakers of evil deeds. If somebody comes in here and they're promoting false doctrine, we will not accept that doctrine for one second, but if that person gets rejected, we ought to, it, it ought to be clear we're rejecting the doctrine, not so much that we just hate the person, okay? Because what does it say, too, in Romans 14, 1? 
says, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. If somebody comes into our church and they're weak doctrinally, or if somebody comes into the church and they just don't know much, or maybe they're from a false religion, okay? What if some Jehovah's Witness gets saved? Do you think they might not carry over some false doctrine at first? And if we come, if they come and they get saved, or maybe they're not even saved yet, but they, they're disillusioned by that and they're just looking for the truth. They come over here. Obviously, they're going to have some baggage with them. And unless they are in this church trying to, you know, deny the deity of Christ and trying to stir things up, you know what? We are going to love that person. We are going to be kind to that person. When it comes to them as an individual, we're going to be very loving towards them, but we're not going to put up with false doctrine. And, and understand a lot of people that come, you know, I don't know why we expect people are just going to come visit our church and just have everything down doctrinally. That, that's not going to happen. It took us a lot, long time to get to where we are. It took a lot of preaching. It took a lot of teaching. It took a lot of questions that we had. And people are going to come through this church and they're going to be a little confused about some things. There's a lot that they're not going to understand. And we're not going to just go and just, you know, label them a heretic and an infiltrator. You know, we're going to give them every opportunity because we care about the individual. And we, we're going to take into consideration, well, you know, they did come out of, you know, you know, they're from the Catholic Church. You know, they, they might be, you know, if somebody comes walking into this church and it's their first time here and they come walking up here and they look at the cross in the pulpit and stop and do one of those, you know, we're not going to throw them out of the church right away. You know, we're going to look at that and be like, oh, that was kind of weird, you know. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to hope they learn. Hey, you know, maybe they'll see when nobody else does that, that, you know, we don't do that here. You know, we're, we're going to have patience. You know why? Because we care about the individual. Now, we, we, we hate the Catholicism. But unless they're in here trying to, you know, and causing disputes, unless they're in here trying, you know, encouraging other people, hey, you all need to do that anytime you walk in here. You know, if they're trying to kiss my ring or something like that, you know, encouraging people to do that, you know, we're, you know, if, if they just accidentally do some of this stuff, you know, if they go to try to kiss my ring, which I don't know why you kiss a ring like this, but, you know, like they do it with the priest and stuff, you know, I'm just, hey, you know, we just shake hands here, you know, that's all, that's all I have to do. Emily, remember you brought the friend that one time and she was all, she was all nervous when she came because she thought she was going to have to kiss my hand when she came to the church and she came and we just shook her hand, and that was all. And she was like, later she was like all excited about that, you know, because we don't do that here. And, um, you know, we've we got to understand, people are going to have some baggage. But it ought to be clear when, when somebody comes into this church, okay, like, you know, Brother Matt, it ought to be clear to him that we love Brother Matt. And if he gets caught up into some weird false doctrine, and, you know, he starts promoting it and throwing it out, it ought to be clear that, you know what, they threw me out because of what I was teaching, not because of me. You know, it ought to be clear, you know, they actually liked me at this church. I got thrown out because of heresy, not because of me. And so that needs to be our default setting. Be very accepting of people. We're going to give grace to a former JW or a former whatever. We're going to give grace to that new convert. And it is going to be crystal clear that we love them even if they've got a lot of issues themselves, because we do, we care about them. We might hate some of the stuff they're doing. Maybe they're still struggling in a lot of areas in their life, but we're going to be, they're, they're going to know that church cares about me. And if we ever do have to throw somebody out of the church, 
because of something that the Bible specifically tells us to, you know what? We ought to be like the Apostle Paul, and we're going to do it with tears. We're not going to do it with joy. You know, I mean, I mean, just you know, imagine how you would feel if you did, if you did some kind of really bad sin, and and you fell, and then when it came time to expose you, all right, maybe, you know, and it came time to throw you out of the church, and we tell Brother Brian, all right, you know, he did this terrible sin, it was bad, and then it's like we're all just like, yes. No, if I had to get up in church and announce some terrible sin Brother Brian did, we should be heartbroken over it. And if he's like, you know what, I'm not going to repent, and we're like, you know what, you're going to have to leave. You know, as he goes walking out, we should be like clapping with each step that he does as he goes walking out and na, 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 na. You know, we should be doing, if that, I mean, do we think we are ever going to restore him if that's what happens? Listen, the time, it happens. Sometimes people get out of line and you got to throw them out of the church, but when we're rejoicing about it and then you go on Facebook, man, it's about time Brother Brian got thrown out of church. Thank the Lord, now we're finally going to have a great church because we took out the trash. You know, good night, folks. You know, I, I'm sorry. But, you know, I just happen, when people start coming to this church, I, t- I tend to start loving those people and thinking of them as a brother and sister in Christ. And when, when stuff like that happens, I'm sad. You know, it, it breaks my heart when that happens. And I get no joy. Even if it turned out, anybody in this church, if it turned out that you were just a stinking infiltrator, low life coming in to just spy on us and tattle on us and, you know, try to cause division, I don't, I'm not going to be happy when I find that out. There might not be any doubt about whether or not you should get thrown out of the church, but we're not going to get any joy out of it. And, you know, I'm thankful. I've never gotten up and said, hey, you know, so-and-so no longer part of this church. And then People started clapping. You know, typically the response is, you know, it had to be done, but we're sad. And, you know, we hope they get restored. We hope they come back. And understand, especially, too, when these people, if these are saved people, these are God's children, and when we're not accepting of them, we're going to get demoted real fast. We're going to get demoted real fast in the eyes of God. So let's be very accepting. When it comes to our service, we're, we're, we're not going to discriminate in that area. We'll discriminate on the doctrine, but not on the individuals. We're going to serve whoever we can, and we're going to be a blessing to whoever we can. We're not going to make them fill out a questionnaire first to see how worthy they are of our acceptance. By default, we're just automatically going to do it. And until they start causing trouble, we're going to try to be a blessing to anybody who comes through the doors of this, this church. That's the way it needs to be. So another thing, too, we see, look at verse 38 of Mark 9. It says, And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me, for he that is not against us is on our part. You know what? We don't need to compete with others. Let's be a team player and help them. Because remember, what's going to make us great, it's about service. So if we see somebody else doing great works, okay, especially if they're doing greater works than us, okay? Now, I'm going to see, if, you know, I could probably come up with some ranking system that makes Liberty Baptist Church the greatest working church in the world, okay? But it probably wouldn't be like God's ranking system. But here's the thing. Even if I have an accurate ranking system, if, I, if there's another church out there that's doing greater works than ours, why would that be a threat to me? 
You know, I, you know what I should do? I should want to support them. I should want to cheer them on. I should want to encourage them. But what did the disciples do? No, they're forbidding them. They're rebuking these guys because, man, we got work going on. How are we going to get credit for it? I mean, if, if another church in another state's doing all these great things, where do we get the credit? You know what? It's not about getting the credit. It's about getting the work done. Listen, every individual that another church gets saved is one less that we don't have to get saved, even if it's a church in town. If they're, if they're getting people saved, that's one less we don't have to get saved. That's one less failure we don't have to worry about if they, you know, because it's a failure every time somebody in our community dies and goes to hell. And that's a good thing. And so you know what we're going to do? We're not going to see other people as competition. We're not going to get in competition with other churches. That's just going to hurt us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to cheer other people on that are doing good. And, you know, and, and I, you know, while there's nothing wrong with being confident in who we are, we need to be careful not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Because when we start thinking highly of ourselves, is the consequence, what usually happens is we start treating others bad. And look what it says in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove us that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether by prophecy let us prophesy, whether according to the proportion of faith, or to ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So notice all these things that were mentioned. First, he says not to think more highly than we ought to think. He says talks about how God has given every man a measure of faith. God has different parts of the body for different purposes. And it, the best thing that can happen is for it to all work together. And so as individuals in this church, you all are members of a body. You're different members, but we're all a part of the same body. So anything you can do as an individual to help someone else in the church, it's good for the whole body. Now, it might not make you become the more notable character in the church, but God will notice what you're doing and notice specifically all these things that he mentioned here. When he's talking about prophesying, exhortation, ministry, giving, all of these are things that we do for other people. All of these things here. These are all things that we do for other people. Whatever ability you have, you're supposed to be using it for other people. And maybe your ability is helping other people be good at things. You know, maybe you're not very good at music, but you're good at you know, you're a good exhorter and you're good at encouraging the musicians. You're good at encouraging those and, and letting them know you appreciate the work that they're putting into their songs. You're letting them know, hey, this is edifying to me. This was a blessing to me. I really enjoyed that. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but boy, I love hearing, you know, somebody carry a tune in a bucket. You know, I, I, that's an encouragement. You doing that, you're being a blessing to those and helping them do better. Oh, I don't, I don't like that singer. I don't like these musicians. You know, they think they're better than everybody else in the church. 
And, you know, I personally think I rank above them, you know, because I do whatever. No, listen, their success is your success. What they accomplish, it can be if you're encouraging them. And we ought to have that attitude. When we see other people doing good, we ought to be cheering them on. Don't be like the disciples were. They don't follow with us. They're not acting under our authority. You know, let's cheer on those that are doing good. If they're not against us, they're on our part. Yeah, but they're different. They're a little bit different than us. Hey, are they attacking us? You know, so, you know, some of the, the preachers that I'm nice to, they're out there that don't dot all their I's and cross all their T's like I do, that I just want to encourage and I want to be nice to. Yeah, yeah, who cares if they're a little bit different unless they're out there attacking me, unless they're out there attacking our church. You know what? He that is not against us is on our part. You know, they're not making my job more difficult as a pastor. And if I see him doing something good, I want to cheer him on a little bit. And, and I want to be a blessing however I can. So all these gifts are things we use to bless others. But then lastly, look at verse 41 of Mark 9. It says, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my, uh, in my name, because ye belong to Christ, Verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. So in the end, where we rank, it is going to be based on what we've done for others. It's not going to be based on what we got back from people we did stuff for. You know, as a pastor, I'm not going to be, I don't believe I'm going to be ranked on what I got back from the people I ministered to. I'm going to be ranked based on how I ministered to other people. So, you know, I said, I, I don't have this mentality uh, that, you know, I said, I invest and I want to get something that I'm wasting my time. You know, I don't, I said, I say people are in poor investment and I do that to get your attention because that sounds really bad, but it's because we're supposed to just give. And it, it's not a waste of time. It's the best thing we can do, give towards. And, you know, at the end of the day, we had everything to gain from Jesus ministering to us. Some of us act like God got a great deal when he saved us. But in reality, he gave everything. Okay? He gave everything. And so we ought to have that same attitude with other people. And, you know, we should get it out of our heads that God ever got anything back from us. He didn't. We should just give to other people. It goes on in verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were cast in to the sea. You want to know the quickest way to move down the ranks is to make others feel unaccepted. And notice too, you know, we use this passage a lot when talking about perverts and people molesting children. And, and I think that's appropriate because I mean, what could you possibly do more to just make a child feel terrible and feel like dirt than molesting? I mean, that's the worst thing you can do. But I think though a lot of what we're seeing here, Jesus is saying too, just because remember when Jesus rebuked the disciples for forbidding to let the children come to him. You know, if if we just went and somebody came up to this church and we looked at we looked them up, looked them down, and we just turned them away, how would that make them feel? You know, just, just imagine if when the first time you came to this church, you know, you're nervous, come to a church for the first time, and they, we did, man, we looked you up and down, and sorry, you don't, you know, you just don't look like one of us, or you're, you know, we made you fill out a questionnaire and you failed that questionnaire, and we just turned you away, man, you're gonna feel like garbage, and you know what, you're gonna be very offended. And so a child that's wanting to come to Jesus that gets turned away, you know, that's, that right there is serious, okay? Yeah, but 
That, that's horrible, but this is just offending a child that believes in him. And let me tell you something, you know, I think, I think, you know, I love the fact we've got a lot of children in this church. You know, I, I love, I love when little kids want to talk to me. I love having conversations with little kids. It's hilarious. It's cute. You know, I, I love all the babies that are, that are here. But you know, one thing that I want as, as a, as a child and as a pastor, you know, I want kids to know that they are loved in this church. When I was just a little child, a man like evangelist Jack Parchman, from the time I was a little kid, I, I just saw him as this spiritual giant. That, that's what he was in my eyes. And from a little kid, that man always paid attention to me. He was always close to me. Every time I'd see him, he, he loved, whenever he'd come over to the house, we'd always watch the three students. And every time I'd see him, I could, I could be at a meeting anywhere, one with hundreds of people that he was preaching at. And if he would see me, he was always glad to see me. He'd shake my hand and he'd always say, Hey there, brother Tommy, you got any new Three Stooges movies to watch? He would say, every time he would see me, he would say that. I think he said that to me even when I was almost an adult. He, he would say that to me. I, I remember when I was seven years old, him sitting in our house in Spring Valley, and us watching, I was like watching Three Stooges with Jack Parker. So that wasn't very spiritual. Well, let me tell you something. He was a spiritual guy. He loved the Lord, and people like him made me want to follow the Lord, made me want to be a preacher. And you know what? When I, was, when I got ordained, he was the one that led the ordination service. He was the one that, and man, I'm telling you, that just, you know, even as a grown man, that, that was a big deal. That was a big deal to me. The man was very accepting. And you know what? I found out as I grew up too, I thought that, you know, I was probably his favorite person. He was, he was just a very loving guy. He did. He cared about people. He kept track of people. And a lot of people felt that way with him and he did he encouraged a lot of people in fact my dad when my dad was a young preacher just getting started my dad preached a sermon and some old preacher got up afterwards and kind of rebuked my dad for where he got something wrong and then jack parchment he got up and he he looked at my dad and in front of everybody he said you know what don't listen to these old guys it's like you know what you did a great job you just keep on. You're going to do great things for God. My dad could have gotten really discouraged by getting rebuked by that old preacher. But then here comes a Barnabas comes along. Don't listen to that guy. You're going to do great things for God. And I'm telling you, you know, you know, people like people like him are why people like me are here today and doing what I'm doing today. Just accepting, you know, and my dad will tell you, man, my dad will be the first one to tell you, you know, he was a, he was a you know, young preacher that made a lot of mistakes. And did a lot of dumb stuff. But there were people out there that didn't look for an opportunity to just pile on him when he messed up. They loved him. And they helped him. And I want to be that same way with other people. Okay? I don't try to put myself out there as this you know, spiritual giant or anything like that. But you know what? If some kid for some reason thinks that, you know what? I would hate to ever reject them. I would hate them to feel like they're not important. And you know what? When little kids come up to me and talk to me... You know what? I stop and I, I pay attention to listen to them. I, I know we're supposed to teach kids to be respectful, but you know, sometimes kids are just antsy. They're excited about something. And you know what? We ought to, we ought to be that way with people. When a visitor comes in, you know, uh, they're, what, what, what they've got going on is more important than what our friends have going on. The conversation with them is more important than the conversation with somebody else. We don't want to be that way. When I used to go to the camp meetings and things and the big conferences, 
the preachers that were there, you know, there was always kind of the, uh, some of the conferences I went to, they literally had like private rooms where the preachers would be before service. They would all hobnob with each other. They would all kind of leave together at the end of the service and they would have like their private area where they would sit and all hobnob with each other. And I remember thinking, you know, I, I was always kind of wanting to go and meet these people and get a chance to talk to these people and you just couldn't get to them. You know, you couldn't get to the big shots. And I always thought, you know, if I'm ever a big shot, <laughs> I'm not going to be that way, you know. And I'm not a big shot, but I will say, you know, I'm thankful that the conferences that I've been to, uh, that, you know, the ones that, you know, we've participated in lately, it's not like that. You know, the preachers are with the people. They have access to it. And you know what? Whenever I'm at these conferences, you know, I, I've, I'm not trying to just hang out with the preachers and the big shots. You know, I want to talk to the people who come to these meetings. Because let me, you know what, when, when you go to a lot of these old IFB meetings, you know, mainly the only people that are there anymore are preachers. Other guys wanting to move up the ranks. Normal people don't go to these meetings. You know, maybe the church members of that church will come because the pastor threatened them. You know, I'll be at church every time the doors are open. We've got a preacher's fellowship tomorrow. You better be here to help fill up the pews. And literally, it's that church's people and other preachers. That's it. That's all, you, that's all you can get to come. That's not the way, that's not the way it ought to be. And I'm telling you, God pays attention to that stuff. God knows who's causing people to want to serve Him. And God's, God knows who is causing, you know, children and other people in the church to want to be in this church. A lot of times the pastor gets credit for things, but you know what? There's probably people that have come through these doors many times didn't come so much because of me or the preaching, but because they knew there was somebody in this church that wanted them here, somebody in this church that loved them, somebody that was friendly to them, and they felt accepted by the people here. You know what? God sees that. And God notices that kind of thing, and he's keeping track of it. And I'm here today to tell you that if we are going to be great at Liberty Baptist Church, we need to be a place where people are treated like they have value. And understand, Jesus Christ gave his life for mankind. And anything that we can do to help bring people to Christ and to love people and to minister to these people that Christ died for, that he gave everything for, that's what's going to move us up the ranks. That's what's going to make us great. And we can't ever forget that. It's not about popularity. It's not about acceptance from the world. It's not about what people can say of us. It is about serving other people, let's get that in our head, let's burn it in our brain, let's tattoo it on the back of our eyelid, and let's never forget that, and let's make that a part of who we are as a church, because if nothing else, because we're carnal, and we're competitive, and we want to be the greatest. And Jesus said, here's how it's done. It's not what we think, naturally, but here's how it's actually done. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for the instruction you've given us. Help us to Follow your example, Lord. We will never be able to comprehend uh, how far you had to step down to be able to save us. But, Lord, you did it. You came. You ministered. You served. You made a way of salvation for us. And, dear God, I pray you'll help us to uh, get inspiration from that and be that same way with other people. Lord, help us not to invest in others, but help us to give. Help us to just give, expecting nothing in return, and help us to just do it uh, cheerfully I pray Liberty Baptist Church will be a place where we do discriminate when it comes to doctrine, but not with people. Lord, help people to understand that they are loved here, that they are wanted and accepted. And I pray you'll help us to make a difference 
and uh, draw and and help uh, attract people to you through our love for them. In your name, we pray. Amen.